Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the podcast where a real statistics professor and his really good looking friend <laughs> gives you sports betting tips. I'm Professor Sides. You can follow me and find all my picks on Twitter at Professor Sides. Today is Friday, January 7th, 2022, and this episode covers today's best college basketball spread bets. In case you're new here, I've built a mathematical model that predicts what the spread and total should be for every Division I college basketball game. That information, along with a graded A, B, or C pick for each of today's games, is available in the Google Sheet that is linked in the show's description. Picks that get an A are the ones I love, picks that get a B are the ones I like, and picks that get a C are leans. However, please remember that good and bad variants will occur, so as much as I'd like to say the model will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Please subscribe if you aren't already, and for those of you on YouTube, leave a comment about the play you like the most, the one you think we might be wrong on. Jake, yesterday, I feel like there were more crazy wins, bad beats. I, what's, the, what's the opposite of a bad beat, right? What's the yeah. like, I should not have won that, and I somehow did. What do you call that, right? Like a stupid I win? I don't, I don't know. I've, I don't think there's ever a term for it because all the, everybody betting on it, it's like, yep, we're just going to cash it and not talk about it. Right, you're right. You're just, you complain, you, you complain about the bet. You got you to gotta talk about both, right? And yeah. uh, yesterday just seemed like there was a bunch. Um, I know I know we had a really lucky one that you were going to talk about. I, I was, I just wanted to touch on the two um, in the afternoon, really. You know, you have USC Upstate and San Francisco both for me. And, and you were on the other side of San Francisco, so it worked out for you. But San Francisco has three threes that they miss in the last 30 seconds. Any one of those goes in, they cover. Uh, Upstate has a situation where they're shooting a three to cover and it misses and there's a rebound and the guy shoots it and it misses and the guy offensive rebound shoots and misses, tips it and it goes in and they miss by half a point. I'm like, how does this stuff happen? You know, and it's, you know, some really frustrating ones there. And then then the Illinois game came around and I was just like, yeah, there's no way they're going to cover that. And, and and you, I think you were to talk about that one. Yeah, I was gonna say we we were texting during that, and uh, like I think uh, about a third of the way through the second half, I texted you and I said, I think I think they might get it. Yeah, and they yeah. went on that little twelve zero run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were you were trying to like negative it into. Existence. Hey, I was I was throwing all the jinxes that I could. <laughs> yeah, and then the random three from Trent Frazier at the end that had no business going in. Because yeah. he was fading away, landed on his back foot, not even looking at the goal, and it just yeah. it dropped in. And I was like, there yeah. we go. Yeah. There we go. So, I mean, hey, I guess, you know, we got beat by that kind of craziness with Syracuse and Miami. So, it works out where we uh, win on it when we have Trent Frazier going it. Yeah, and but, then uh, uh, you talked about that USC Riverside one. I didn't see that one. Uh, I was I was long in bed at that point. But apparently that one was uh, a frustrating one as well, right? Yeah, uh, I'm not going to act like I stayed up and watched it, uh, but <laughs> you know, I was checking it out, trying to see what happened. Uh, like, going into the game, thought, you know, under 10 with a bat, like, getting getting seven and a half with a going against a bad free throw shooting team, you would think, if they're close, we're going to be fine. And going into it, here we are with a, uh, what, seven-point lead. They, they're down by seven, so we, we're right on the number. Mm-hmm. And – they hit hit a free throw that puts it over the edge and missed the next one. And I was like, man, I can't believe they hit that one. And so I started looking at the stats. The team that shoots 65% on the year shot 90 in mm. that game. And, mm. you know, I mean, you're going to you're gonna get beat by things like that. But it's like, man, of all things. And, that, and that's part of the handicap. When you get to those, you know, five to ten-ish numbers, you know, that's part of what the model's doing is looking at saying – 
are you hitting your free throws? And so it's kind of like knocking a team down a little bit from that number that it wouldn't, it wouldn't penalize them. If you don't, if you don't hit your free throws in your favor by 20, it's not going to matter because you're probably not going to get fouled. late. so the model's not taking that into account, but it's taken into account here. So that was part of it was we were counting on Riverside to miss some of those yeah. free throws. Yeah. And then they, and then they didn't. So just a weird day yesterday. Um, today we have a really short slate, not a lot of games that are interesting, I think. So what we're going to do is we're going to cover three games and we're going to actually preview we said yesterday we preview one we're going to actually throw four at you just because there's some really interesting things tomorrow and uh try to give you some good content because today we can't really talk a lot about the patriot league I, no offense to the players in there y'all would kill me in basketball but i just we don't watch a lot of patriot league we don't watch a lot of you know southland so it's like it's hard to break those games down so we're going to stick to the, the to the ones that we know a little bit more about we're going to start off with some action though 5 30 PM Kent State at Ohio, a game that I think is going to be really interesting. Ohio is a team that might make some noise in March. And so they are a seven and a half point home favorite. And that's a B pick for me. The model thinks they should win by nine. The key for me is I think Ohio is a team that is pretty good. And the model doesn't take my feelings into account, but I played Kent State the other day. And I was surprised at just how bad they were. They were a team that in recent years I thought had been a little bit better. And all of a sudden this year, I don't know if it was just the one game or something, but when I saw that I had to pick on Ohio, I was a little bit relieved because back in Kent State the other day was frustrating. And so I'm hoping that they're just outclassed by a team that that has some aspirations of doing anything in March. Uh, Jake, what's your take on, on this yeah. Kent State-Ohio game? I'm, I'm with Ohio. Kent State is bad but Ohio is actually underrated defensively. They've actually got a pretty decent defense to be, I, I mean, this is considered their smaller school and everything. Like they're in the top 80 of 80 of the league and like defensive efficiency and everything. So I, I think that's going to be the difference that gets them over the edge because Kent State is not very good offensively and they play a like slower pace. So when a slower pace team that's not, very good offensively goes against a good defense it's it's a not a lot of points going their way yeah but. yeah and Kent, like i said kent state i i, I thought and, and i could be wrong sometimes you get the schools confused but i thought kent state was a team the last couple of years that was kind of frisky in the mac and this year it just seems like maybe they don't have it maybe they've fallen off a little bit more recently than, than i realized but i always i always felt like i kind of respected kent state a little bit but this year the team like you said they're just not as good as you know as, as they i'm sure they're they'd be I don't really know their roster that well, but I mean, it seems schools like that and from a smaller conference, they go two years of being relevant and up there and then they take two years off because they, they got to get the older guys in with some experience and that's where they get their, their benefit rather than bringing in some new flashy freshman right. or something right. like that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Also at 5.30 p.m. Central, Marquette and Georgetown, one of the two, I guess we'll call them marquee games of the night, given what's out there. Um, this is an A pick for me on Marquette minus two. The model thinks it should be Marquette minus five. Marquette's really coming around. And my key question for you, Jake, is Marquette, are they actually good? Because I I, I kind of think they might be, but I, I'm a little nervous making that proclamation. But I, I, I think they might actually be good. I think they are. I agree that they, they are fairly good. Um, they have had a tough schedule. They really year. have. Like, Every you time you turn around, three, it seems like they're playing a, a real team. They're, they're not yeah. getting a lot of directional schools, right? They're getting yeah. a lot of real schools. 
you know, like in their other six losses, four of them were to ranked teams at the time. I mean, wow. St. Bonaventure isn't ranked anymore, but that's they still were a solid, solid opponent yeah. still. Yeah, they were 22nd at the time. So that was like going when I was pouring through it, that was big to me. It's like, yeah, they've had some rough, rough patches record wise, but it's all been against really, really good teams. And like they, uh, <laughs> Marquette was in a big slump losing the six over their last 10 for beating a very good Providence mm-hmm. on Tuesday, which that's just under – like they're one of those teams. And I don't know why the Big East should be talked about a little bit more, but mm-hmm. like the Seton yeah. Hall and Providence are like are very good teams. And Mar- Marquette just beat that Providence team. Um, they play like all Shaka Smart coach teams, right? Flying around in your face, creating all sorts of steals and things. And against a Georgetown team that is not very, very good with handling the ball, there are going to be turnovers all over the place. And that's the main reason I believe this game will be Marquette like 10 to 15, not not just the two. But, I mean, I, I don't know. George, Georgetown to me, I, I don't know where this line came from at right. two because they are just not very good. Uh, I mean, the – they do shoot the ball well, but it, other than that, they don't have much going. Um, they also tend to lose against this tier of opponent this year. Like, so they, well, they did have a four point win over Syracuse, but you know that, like, one win is then Syracuse isn't that good, especially in a really down ACC. But then you well, go. And I have volatility rank numbers uh, that I pull in. Syracuse is one of the most volatile teams in my database. I mean, Syracuse is like, you just do not know what you're going to get from that team. So anything happening with Syracuse, I'm like, sure, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. The old saying, you know, live live by the three, die by the three. That's Syracuse through and through this year. Um, But they have like a 17-point loss to San Diego State, lost by three to St. Joseph's, 13-point loss to South Carolina, a seven-point loss to TCU. They're just not – they're not – going to cover this number with, with yeah. those kinds of things. And then, I mean, real, the players that watch in this game are Tyler Kulik and Justin Lewis. Justin Lewis is a very good forward, big, bigger guy leading the team in points and rebounds. And Tyler Kulik has a two-to-one, maybe a little higher. That's just a turnover ratio. He's very good with the ball and plays the most minutes, and they run the whole offense. Like, he runs the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting point with Georgetown, you know, I it could just be my perception, but it's almost like maybe they're getting a little bit too much respect for, you know, they made that crazy run in the Big East uh, tournament and otherwise they weren't good coming into it and they haven't been that good this year. And it's like, that was impressive, but if that's all you got, then maybe you just aren't that good. Like I said, I think Marquette might actually be good, uh, you know, only nine and six in the season, but they're, they're really seeming to put it together. So I, I like where that team is going. We have one other Big East game, 7.30, Xavier at Butler. I have faded Butler almost all season, but I'm actually flipping on this one. I'm taking Butler and the four and a half points. It's a B-grade pick for me. The model says Xavier minus three. I really think Butler is coming around. So at some point, you know, we, you know, it's tough to always say when you, uh, you know, stop fading a team when it's a number cut up to them. But uh, I think Butler's playing a little bit better. I think the numbers cut up to them. I think Butler's the right side. I think you're still on the fade Butler trend. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So this, like, I think Butler is getting better. They're playing better. They're getting healthy. All, all those things are going that way. It's just, they don't have the horses this year to carry them. Like 
last game against Seton Hall, their bench scored zero, and their and their leading score was held to zero. Like that's not a good combo. You can't depend on just five guys. And not, I think Seton Hall's better than Xavier, but they're around the same tier of opponent. And it's, I just don't think they've got, like they've got the initial five to hang with them, and then after that, it's. It's just they don't have enough there, which is a lot happens with small smaller schools. Right. Um, but I mean, the last two, like the Xavier's won the last two of the three matchups they've had, and those, and that's when the teams were relatively similar in talent and stuff. And I, I just don't think there's a way Butler keeps up with this one. Um, Xavier brought in. I wondered where this guy went. Uh, Jack Nunji, like from Iowa. He he was a Big time backup for uh, Garza over the last couple of years, and he's handling. He's doing very well in, in Xavier. There, like he didn't skip a beat. Um, also, Xavier, I think, is kind of not getting enough respect. They have two losses on the year. One is to Iowa State, who we've figured out this is a top ten team good. right now, and then Villanova, and both were not at home. Like, so it's not they. I think this uh, Iowa State was neutral site, and then uh, Villanova was at Villanova, and they were relatively tight games. So I think this Xavier team is a lot better than people realize. Yeah, I think uh, it, it kind of goes like we talked about the, the strength of the Big East is up there. I think it's pretty clear that the Big Twelve is the best conference uh, right now, you know, in college basketball. But then you get to that second, uh, you know, best conference, and you know, the Big Ten is obviously very good, but the Big East should not be slept on there. It's a very good conference, top to bottom. And um, it's that, you know, you have to worry about them cannibalizing themselves going into March, right? Because there's just going to yeah. be a lot of carnage with all those teams beating up on each other, uh, which leads us to our Saturday preview segment. Again, we're going to preview four games. Real quick. There's no spreads on these at the time of this recording. So I'm going to give you what the model makes the game as of today. The number might tweak a little bit from what you see on the spreadsheet tomorrow, uh, simply because of games tonight, although I can't see them impacting it too much, given who's playing. Um, we're going to chat a little bit about these games. The first one, I'm talking about cannibalization. We're going to head to the Big 12 for a couple of games. Uh, 1 p.m., uh, Texas at Oklahoma State. The model thinks it should be Texas minus four. And this is where, as we start getting into Big, Big 12 conference play, I'm really interested to see how the teams separate themselves because right now you have clearly Baylor number one, Kansas number two, or 1A, 1B, whichever one you call it. And then you've got your, your you know, Tech's a pretty good team. Iowa State's a very good team. Texas is a really good team. Then you've got that next kind of tier, um, you know, including Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. But the separation there is not that much. It's one of those things where that's our perception today. But, you know, another week or two, we could completely have changed that story. And so I'm really curious to see, does a team like Texas, who we think is a top four top half of the conference team, do those type of teams really differentiate themselves and beat up on the teams that we, that we think are good, but maybe not in the same category? Or does it all just become a hot jumbled mess with everybody beating up on each other? So I think this is going to be the start, you know, starting off in the conference play here, going to make things really interesting for uh, the Big 12 here as things start kind of uh, shaping up for us. Uh, what, is your, what is your thought on this one? So I'm I'm a Texas guy. Just like last time when we were talking about Texas, I think mm -hmm. as this year goes and they get more chemistry and figure out like between the coach and the players and figure out how each other work and all that, they're just going to get better and better. They're starting to get into that preseason top five ranking level where they're, where they're at. And I think Oklahoma State is on the 
down downslide here. They they've been struggling winning one of their last five, and the one win was a Cleveland State in overtime. They're just they're going cold at the wrong time, and and that you can't do that going in the conference play, especially one that's as loaded through and through as the Big Twelve is. I mean, like even if you're talking about the bottom of the conference, you're looking at what West Virginia and Kansas State, maybe TCU. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The bottom's still really strong. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very that's a very high floor for that conference. So it's a it's not a good time good timing for for this game for Oklahoma State and. I think Texas, like I, I'll play in anything under 10, but it wouldn't surprise me if this ended up being 15 to 20. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Stillwater, a tough place to play. Uh, but like you said, Texas, uh, we talked about this with Texas, uh, Kansas State, right? Texas has the talent. So if they get it going, the road atmosphere is not going to be a problem. If they can keep it close, and that's what Kansas State was able to do in the first half, not the second, then that atmosphere uh, at Stillwater is going to make it very tough on Texas. But uh, you're right, man. If they, they just have so much talent. And Beard, obviously, is a great coach. And so as we as the season moves along, I think you're right. I think they're trending in the right direction. And speaking of uh, Chris Beard, this week he left Texas Tech, gets to host Kansas and maybe the marquee game of the day, 3 p.m. Um, the model makes this Kansas is a three-point road favorite, but my key here is who is going to play? I feel like the Big 12 has kind of been hit a little bit later than some of their schools with some of the big guys being out um, from COVID. Tech ran with, I think it's like seven scholarship players together, maybe yeah. six in a walk-on. It wasn't good. And so the key there is who's playing. If, if Tech has a bunch of those guys out again. This number is going to get higher and higher, and I think Kansas is going to be the side to look at. But if all those guys play, Tech, look at being a very tough place to play at, Tech might hang in there and make this game close. What's your take? What's wild is you would think bringing in a, a new coach, you would the philosophy of the school would kind of change or they would lose that. But the defense seems to be the same, if not better, this year for Texas Tech, and which is – incredible because they were already under Chris Beard playing at a defensive level that really carried them to national championship berth because that offense wasn't that great that year. Um, and that, yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't good at all. Yeah, they're letting in an average of 57 points a game, which is kind of crazy to think about because even if even in the Iowa State game from a couple days ago, like that was 51-47. So I, like it's not very often people are eclipsing that 16 mark with them and then you have the complete opposite with Kansas who is just an offensive juggernaut right now and I'm going to try to say his name but Bonajay uh, uh, bon, I, I don't know he's he's the card that that scores awesome. 20 20 plus a game and is incredible and if you have time around what four eastern or whenever they play that is that is a game to watch like it should be an incredible matchup. Um, one one of the key things I think to worry about is uh, oh crap. I just forgot his name. The big guy for uh, Kansas, uh, McCormick, mm -hmm. uh, David McCormick. Who him versus uh, the group of big guys that Texas Tech's want to throw at him? Can they stay out of foul trouble enough that they're able to still play aggressive towards the end of the game? Um, my play on this is going to be Kansas, but it's like five or less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what a last short number there on the road. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and you talked about the head coaching uh, staff there at Tech, right? Uh, sometimes that's what happened. You know, they were able to hire within the program, uh, hire one of the assistants. And so he was able to just 
keep that going. But like you said, sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you still hire within the program and things change. He's a new person. He decides this is the spin he wants to put on it. But like you said, they were able to just keep rolling seamlessly. And I've been very impressed with that as well. Because at the start of the season, we just, you know, you hear things from coaches here. We're going to play the same, blah, 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 right? You just never really know, right? And so you start seeing it. You're like, no, they really are like doing just what they did before. And it's it's been impressive uh, to watch there. Um, in the Big Ten, uh, probably the marquee game, I guess, especially marquee game at the start of the season, it lost a little bit of luster now. 130 Central Michigan State at Michigan. I was a little surprised at this. The model still believes in Michigan, which kind of blows my mind with what I've seen. Yeah, but, one of the last few believing in Michigan. Yeah, one of the, yeah, exactly. My model's hanging on and not many of them are. My model still kind of believes in Michigan. The model makes this about a pick em. So it says that Michigan State is several points better, but the game being in Ann Arbor. My key question, does Michigan want to make the tournament this year? Because as bizarre as that sounds, the path they're heading down is like NIT birth, which seems absolutely outrageous to say can they get it together the talents there and, and you know we're here kind of at a crossroads it, it feels a lot like Clemson and college football you know on the football podcast I talked about with the guys with several weeks in a row of Clemson are they going to get it together can they get it together and Clemson did kind of salvage the season in a pretty respectable ending to it you know not what they wanted but at least finish off with a solid bowl game solid bowl victory against a good team Michigan's kind of at that same crossroads you talked about with Clemson right it, are they going to get it together if they if they do they can sell over the season but at some point you're like what is going on with this team like the the biggest thing to me is the guard play Juwan Howard did not replace his point guard and I for the life of me cannot remember the point guard from last year but the guy the guy was averaging like double digit assists I believe for most of the year and he didn't replace that at all and Juwan Howard being a newer newer coach I'm going to give him some grace here because I, I thought he had done a great job of mm-hmm. the last few years with it. Yeah. But this this is a learning curve because he's got probably one of the most talented big guys, in, which is crazy to say, in the Big Ten is just loaded with talented big guys. But uh, Hunter Dickinson is just incredible. I was surprised he came back to Michigan this year because um, I thought, he played incredibly. He could step out. He handles the ball. And he's, I think he's around seven foot and he's very, very strong. Not Kofi Coburn strong, but he's, he's up there. There um, are, there are, there's not anybody in college right now that's strong. <laughs> that guy um, is just not even fair to watch him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? A man among boys. Yep. But I, I think Michigan State is, is the play. I'm taking them under, under 10 because, like you said, it's on the road in a rivalry game. But I mean, Michigan State has been playing very well recently. Um, that Chris Christie is probably one of the best shooting guards to whatever you want to call the position in the nation, and they can just get hot. Uh, I can't remember who they were playing, but it kind of looked like they were going to lose, and then that Gabe Brown just hit like three or four threes in a row. It, it, does, it doesn't matter. They're, and Izzo is a great coach, and he's been through the situation many a time. So I think that's enough to get them to cover anything under 10. So I think Michigan is a very weak mental team. Um, and that you can see that when they fall apart in press and when they get pressed. Mm-hmm. Like, I think me and you were texting, like, one of the first games of the year when when uh, Michigan didn't cover. They just absolutely fell apart uh, yeah. mm-hmm. when, when they started getting pressed. And that that's going to happen. And then if – Michigan State jumps out to like a 10 to 15 point lead or anywhere in there at that time, they might just roll over and die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ann Arbor should obviously be rocking 
to me, this feels like a game where we might, there's a good chance we look back in a month and we say, Michigan got it together and that was the start of it. Or we say, or we say, Michigan is going to finish 11th in the Big Ten or something unfathomable like that. And we're going to look back at this and say, how did we not make Michigan State a billion point favorite? You know what I mean? Like, it feels like it could go, it could be a really important game yeah. uh, for Michigan to where their season's going. You, you never want to overstate, right? All the wins count the same. I get that. I, I don't want to add to the hyperbole and needless. But it just, it feels like with the rivalry game here, Michigan's got to figure it out. And if, if it's, if not now, win, right? And yeah. so this is one of their opportunities to make it have a good resume win, even, you know, against a good team in Sparty. Yeah, this is still the case. Like, I mean, you have people like kind of like the college bowl opt out thing. At a certain point, players realize, "Hey, I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing for the next level at this yeah. point. The the team's not going to get there. So this could be that point where you start seeing. And we Michigan have seen that flip. in years past. Yeah. yeah, Michigan flip to, hey, we're, <laughs> like Hunter Dixon saying, "Hey, I'm I'm going to play to raise my draft stock." Yeah. Like, this yeah. is winning. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I don't mean to cast shade on any of them. Right. We're, I, just saying, we're just saying like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just saying like at some point this, the season's a little bit of a crossroads and they got to kind of figure out. So I'm, I'm really interested to watch that game. Yeah. Another game I'm really interested to watch Saturday, 5 PM central Tennessee at LSU. Uh, the model makes this LSU minus five. Uh, so it thinks LSU is a little bit, uh, better of a team. I think everyone should be at full strength here. But for me, I'm really interested to watch this game because my perception of both Tennessee and LSU is I've seen signs of teams that I think can make the final four. And I've seen signs of teams that are going to get bounced in the first weekend. And, and, and obviously one game doesn't solve that question completely, but I'm just really interested to watch this and learn a little bit more about both of these teams um, you know, does LSU at home really make a statement win, you know, win by 10, win by 15? If Tennessee goes in there, gets a road win, that's huge. So I think there's a lot we can learn from this game and what should be a really tight uh, game that could determine, you know, you know, top couple teams here in the SEC. What do you think? I have a huge Tennessee bias and man, this breaks my heart. I'm playing LSU anything under five. Tennessee and this has been my gripe with Rick Barnes, and I'm sure your dad had the same gripe being when he was at Texas. Yep, yep. He is a great coach, great recruiter, but can't figure out how to change his offense to his team. Yeah. And if he doesn't have the exact right pieces, it seems, the offense just falls apart. Yeah. And that's what happens with Tennessee. Like the Ole Miss game that just recently, they, they went one for 15, I think, to start the game. Like you're not – you're not going to cover any number there. Like they forced, they're an incredible defensive team. They forced 27 turnovers, but took overtime to win by six. If you gave 27 turnovers to anybody that people want to be like a, a top, a top to, 20 team, yeah. yeah, that's a that's a 20 point win because yeah. they just yeah, and they are very good defensively, and, and Kenny Chandler is really good, but. Man, I don't, I don't know if they have the offense to keep up with LSU, especially at LSU at home. If they get rolling, it's going to be tough sledding to, for Tennessee to keep that within the five. Like, because one, LSU is one of those teams. Like, they see one go in, it's the ocean. Like, there is just, they're just pulling. And Tennessee recently has struggled with LSU and, and Will Wade. Like. They, they can't seem to get it figured out. They don't play that often because the whole 
what I think the SEC is going up to 20 teams now, but I think we got 14 or something crazy. And they're in the West, so we play like once every couple of years, but it's man, they've just struggled recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you talk about Rick Barnes. Uh, cousin Jared in the football podcast talked about he could have a whole podcast on uh, whatever it was that certain Texas AM season. I, I could do a whole podcast with my dad on the Rick Barnes season where he had Kevin Durant. I mean, the, the oh, refusal. You were to talk about a great season to be a Tennessee Vols man, man. Me and dad had season tickets. Got to see Chris Lofton put one in Durant's eye to win the game. Oh, wow. Yeah. Favorite, favorite moment yeah. as a Tennessee fan ever. Yeah. It's incredible. You, you talk about a, just a complete refusal to say, I've got one of the best college basketball players yeah. to, to ever come through my program. And just everything just became isolations and just, yeah. it was just an awful offense. And, yeah. um, yeah, like you said, Rick Barnes definitely has a great recruiter, a, you know, overall a good coach, but yeah, definitely not, you know, when you, when you talk about some of those individual things, it can kind of be frustrating as a fan to watch. So um, we've got, I've got two buzzer beaters for you, two more A picks today, nothing really to add um, on teams I don't watch a lot. One of them's an early tip, so hopefully you're listening to this early in the day. Um, New Orleans at 11 a.m. is a seven and a half point favorite against Houston Baptist. Uh, that's one of those games in Katie in the South phone playing a bunch of games there as a fun little tournament. Um, so I like New Orleans there to cover seven and a half. It's an A pick. And then 6 p.m. We've got a Patriot League game. Holy Cross plus three is an A grade pick versus Lafayette. Holy Cross is really bad. But to be fair, the entire Patriot League is pretty bad. And Lafayette hasn't played in four weeks. So again, the model is really penalizing them for such a long layoff, uh, hoping that Holy Cross can keep this thing closed. Holy Cross uh, only going to have so many opportunities for a win, right? And so this is one yeah. of them that they need to show up because if they don't get this one against a team who hasn't played in forever, um, they're probably it's, not going to get one. I don't, I'm on the opposite side, so I don't think it's going to happen. They're, Holy Cross is, and it's all about Holy Cross being that bad, not that Lafayette is a better team. Right. Uh, Holy Cross has two wins of the year, both against teams that won't make the tournament because they're in a different division. Um, and they oh, also is that, have is that a thing? Is that a different division? Is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have a negative assist to turnover ratio as a team. So that just doesn't bode well to winning games ever. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't. Hopefully, hopefully for me, Lafayette is a little rusty. But like you said, both of these teams, you have a, a very bad team and a rusty team. This is one that, folks, I advise you, do not watch this game. Watch. No, watch. Uh, we, we, if, you, if you listen to the College Football Podcast, right, we had a segment called You Don't Have to Watch Them to Make the Monies. And that's exactly how you feel on how I feel on this one, whichever slide you're on. You don't have to watch it. It pays the same whether you watch the game or not which is all we have for you for the week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Picks with the Professor. A reminder to check out the Google Sheet for all picks on today's games. I have six more B picks out there for you today, even though it's a short slate. If you haven't done so yet, click that subscribe button for a new episode every weekday of the college basketball season. We will see you Monday. Until then, remember, you can eat your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money. Yep.